Welcome to True Spirituality Network. We are focused on spreading the gospel of God's love across the world. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out every fear. As you feed on God's love for you, allow His love to cast out every fear, worry, and anxiety. God loves you. Amen. All right, I want to welcome you from any part of the world you might have connected or joined us from. And on this platform, we'll preach one simple message. We'll preach a lot about the good news of Christ. The good news of Christ. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, the Bible says that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. For therein the righteousness of God is revealed. And later on the Bible says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. But the, the, the emphasis, one of the crux and the emphasis of that verse says, for daring, talking about the gospel, the righteousness of God is being revealed. And that simply means that the good news of Christ unveils the righteousness of God. The gospel, if anybody says he is a gospel preacher, it will always point you to the righteousness of God, which is a gift. The gospel will not point you to the sinfulness of man. Man was in sin. That is why God responded in love and sent a savior that is going to give us the gift of righteousness. The good news of Christ does not unveil the sinfulness of man. It unveils the righteousness of God. The good news of Christ does not unveil the righteousness of men. It only unveils the righteousness of God, which is a gift unto everybody that believes. And that simply means if you're born again today, if you believe in what Jesus has done for you, automatically, as far as God is concerned, you are blameless, you are spotless, and you are unreprovable in the sight of God. That is how God sees you, altogether beautiful. And there's no flaw in you. God loves you so much. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Glory to God. So, and this is what we preach a lot on this platform. And if you go to John 3, 16, very popular place on the scripture, very clear place on the scripture, the Bible says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes. The moment you believe in Jesus, the Bible says, whosoever believes shall not perish. Very clear. Shall not perish but have everlasting life and in the past two teachings i've been able to clearly um clearly um interpret some of the scriptures people take out of context to scare the believer the word of god was not written to you to scare you <laughs> the bible says now these three things will remain faith hope and love every preacher after you listen to them there should be faith, hope, or love produced in your heart. 
the word of God should either build your faith, give you some hope, or remind you that you are loved by God. That is our, our message. Not Our message is not fear, judgment, no way. Because the Bible actually even says there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Anyway, so over, over the past two teachings, we, this is the part three of this series. In part one, we were able to see this scripture people always use a lot to scare God's people. In Matthew chapter 7, from verse 21 to verse 23, that says, Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not done this in your name? Then I will say, I never knew you. We already established Jesus was not referring to the believer. Jesus was referring to false prophets. Jesus can never tell the born-again believer that I never knew you. It is not possible. Even me and you, some of you listening to this, I'm, I know you, but you're not even my family member. I can't look at your face and say, well, I never knew you. That would be a lie. How much more Jesus, the one who died for your sins with his own blood, Jesus would never tell the believer that they never knew you. He will never do that. So he wasn't talking to the believer. And I was able to show you that on the scripture. He was referring to false prophets. Because the born-again believer is actively in the will of God. Christ is God's will for you. I already explained that in the first episode of the series. In the second episode of the series, there's this word in the book of Revelation that people also use. They say something like, oh, it is only those who overcome that will get some." that will get the crown, that will get this, that will get that. And I showed you from the scripture that if you're born again, you are an overcomer. If you read 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The next verse says, who is he who overcomes the world? He will believe that Jesus is the son of God. Every born again believer believes that. So all the blessings of an overcomer in the book of Revelation, which includes Jesus saying, I will not blot out your name from the book of life to him who overcomes. And Jesus is talking about you. So don't let anybody make you feel like, well, you can be born again and not be an overcomer. No, you get born again, automatically you are an overcomer. You see, the born again believer is, for example, is already complete in Christ. Don't let anybody make you feel like you are a second class born again believer. No, you are already complete in Christ. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Holy Spirit, the greatest man of God I ever walked on heart, carries. You carry. That is our starting point, completeness in Christ. We are not trying to be complete in the future, maybe someday, hopefully. No, no, no. You are already complete, complete in Christ, Colossians 2.10. And that is your starting point. Completion is your starting point. So let, let, let your heart come to a place of rest, whereby you know everything you do. You are not doing it for victory you are doing it from a place of god's victory glory to god and in this particular episode there's a place in the book of romans that i want to address there is a place in the book of romans that i want to address romans chapter 5 romans chapter 5 romans chapter 5 Romans chapter 5. Now, by the way, before I get to Romans chapter 5, they, they, I want to give you a background story. When Paul began to preach, there were some times Paul entered into argument. Some of his teachings, he had to argue more like a debate in preaching the gospel because, <laughs> you see, the, the 
the people Paul preached to at times when he went to some places, they were learned people. So they challenged some of the things Paul preached. And for example, before we get to chapter five, let's start from chapter three. And I want to show you a place in chapter three of Romans chapter three. Now, if you read Romans chapter three, if you read verse, what is this verse? What is this verse? Um, 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 okay, found it. If you read verse seven and verse eight, see what it says. Romans chapter three from verse seven to verse eight. For if the truth of God had more abounded through my life unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Verse eight, which is my emphasis. And not rather as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Whose damnation is just? Stop. Let me see if I can show you what NLT of that same version says. Paul was saying, some people slanderously reported that we were preaching that people can do evil so that good might come. Paul said, we never preached that. Some people slanderously reported. Let me see if NLT really, really made it so clear. Um, um, Romans chapter 3, that should be verse 8. Let me see what NLT says. Romans chapter 3 from verse 8. The Bible says, and some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Now, what Paul is saying here, Paul has been preaching the gospel of grace, the gospel of Christ, radically. And people are beginning to misquote Paul. They are beginning to come against Paul. And they are, people are, some, some people were really, really slanderously reported, reporting what Paul preached. Some people are saying, oh, Paul is saying, look, guys, everybody, let's keep doing evil and say good will come. Why? Because Paul must have preached that, guys, it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what season you find yourself. God can bring good out of that ugly situation. You remember Solomon was given back to by Bathsheba, which was not originally one of David's legal wife. And David had so many other children. However, when God wanted to continue the lineage of Jesus, God decided to choose that guy called Solomon that was given birth to by a woman that seemed not to be on the legal train of David's family. And that simply means even in your ugly situation, in your mess, God can bring out glory. God can bring out good from your ugly situation. Paul must have freed this radically. And then they started misquoting him. Oh, guys, Paul is now saying that we can, we can keep doing evil and then God will bring out good out of it. Paul never said that. Paul must have preached that where there's evil situation, where there's ugly situation, God can turn it around for your good. Remember the story of Joseph? Joseph was sold, and then from being sold, he became a, a servant. So he was a servant slave. He was a slave. He was a servant in the house of Potiphar. And now they lied against him. They said, well, he wanted to sleep with the wife boss. So now, if you want to add to the CV of Joseph, he was a slave. He was a servant. He was accused of rape. And in all of those ugly situations, God was able to bring out good out of his situation. God was not the cause, the instigator of the situation, 
but God brought out good from that situation. Paul must have preached radically that it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what you are going through. God can bring out good out of your ugly situation. But in Romans chapter 3, Paul said, some people are now slanderously reporting that they are saying, well, keep doing evil and then good will come. Paul never preached that. Paul never said, oh, well, go commit adultery, then Solomon will come. He, he didn't preach that. But Paul must have preached, even in the ugly situation of David, in David's mess, by sleeping with Bathsheba, and after the first child died, God was able to bring out good Solomon from that situation. So Paul was not promoting, he was not, he was never doing that. He was not promoting ugly situation. He was not promoting do rubbish and then God will bring that good out of it. No. But Paul has been preaching the good news so much and say, God can turn your life around. It doesn't matter where you are. Even if they give back to you outside wedlock, if they give back to you outside marriage, don't say something like, oh, well, the reason I'm like this is because my parents and my, my father and my mom didn't really, really get married. No. The, what the scripture is saying is God can bring out good from that situation. And then Paul was misquoted, Romans 3, 8, NLT. So Paul was misquoted. They're like, oh, you see what Paul is switching out? Paul is saying, well, let's keep doing anything we like, and then God will just keep bringing good from it. No, Paul never preached that. But Paul is saying, even if you where you are today is as a result of your silliness, your mistake, your stupidity, God can bring out good out of it. It's two different things. Now, if you understand that, Romans 3, 8, then you can understand Romans chapter 6, verse 1, which is where I'm coming to, actually. Because I'm trying to debunk so many scriptures people use, and they just take out of context. To And most of the people that ask this question, they are trying to either reduce the grace of God. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, very popular place in the scripture. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. I could quote it offhand, but let me read it in context. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin and say grace may abound? Now, if you're a good Bible student, when you see that word, what shall we say then? That, that is not Paul talking. Paul, Paul was quoting these people. The same way in Romans chapter 3. That's why I started from Romans chapter 3. They said, what shall we say then? Shall we keep on doing evil and say good might abound? Paul never said that. But they slanderously reported Paul saying that. And now again, Paul started preaching again in Romans chapter 5. And then he radically preached that where sin abounds, listen everybody, the grace of God superabounds. When there is sin, the grace of God is much more than your sin. That if you can give your life to Christ today, automatically all your sins will be forgiven. If the worst terrorist on the surface of the earth today can say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, automatically in a twinkle of an eye, is born again, all his sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Why? Because where is sin abounds, the grace of God superabounds. That was what Paul preached in Romans chapter 5, the last verse. And then you know what they said Paul was preaching? They said, oh, so are you now saying now we can keep sinning and say grace to keep abounding? Which Paul never preached. Which people claimed he preached. And for his start in addressing that question, I strongly want to challenge you if you're a preacher. If you are not preaching the gospel so good to the point where people are like, are you now saying you mean Jesus has done everything for us? We just have to rest in what he has done? <laughs> people have to see it that ridiculously simple. If you're preaching the gospel of Christ and people are not almost thinking you are saying 
oh, so you mean, well, Jesus has done everything. You're, you're saying we are forgiven. Does that mean that we can do anything we like? People were, people were accusing Paul of what he preached. And people are like, they were, they were changing what Paul preached to be something else. Because what, because what Paul preached was so good, people almost thought, oh, do you know what I mean? We can keep sinning. And this thing called grace that you've been preaching, Paul, are they mean, you're saying it will keep abounding? You see, grace on its own is extreme. Because grace simply means undeserved goodness. And in the context of salvation, it is even more extreme. You know, some people say, oh, there, there are extreme preachers of grace. But even if you check the scripture, grace itself is extreme. When you do something wrong and you, you are forgiven, or maybe God doesn't use it against you, that's mercy. Whereby your, your judgment was not put on you, God just let it go. Or God rather just said, you know what? Jesus paid for your sin. You can't go. When it comes to grace, God gave you something you never had in the first place. It's like all the offerings in the book of Leviticus. When you want to perform the sin offering, you bring a lamb. The lamb you want, you want to bring must be blameless, must be spotless. You, 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 you are the sinner. You are bringing a blameless and a spotless lamb. When you get to, this, to the place where the priest is, you lay your hands on the lamb. And then when you lay hands on the lamb, when you say that prayer you have to say, automatically, the, listen, your sin is transferred to that lamb and the spotlessness and the blamelessness of the lamb is transferred to you. And then the, the lamb is slaughtered by the priest as, a, as an atonement for your sin. Listen, after that sacrifice, you go back having what you never had in the first place. That is grace. Grace gives you even what you never had in the first place. We were sinners when we got born again. God didn't just forgive our sin. That would have been awesome. If he only forgives our sin, if God only gave us forgiveness, till Jesus will come, we will forever be grateful to God. But God didn't just do that. God forgave our sins, past, present, and future. And then he gave us a gift called the gift of righteousness. That is extreme on its own. Whereby God didn't just forgive your sins, past, present, and future. God is now giving you something you never had in the first place. It is called the gift of righteousness. And my Bible tells me in Romans chapter 5, how much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? When you receive the gift, I didn't say achieve. When you receive the gift of righteousness, you reign in life. We had, we now have something we never had in the first place. And when you preach like this, or when, when you when you see Paul preach, Paul was very radical about this thing. Paul would say, no matter how sinful you are, no matter how far you've gone, the grace of God has gone far ahead of you. And if you can believe in Jesus, all your sins will be forgiven, past, present, and future. Why? Because the grace of God gives you the good you don't deserve. When you deserve judgment, God gives you good. Why? Because on the cross of Calvary, Jesus, the innocent Jesus, just like it is in the time of the, in the book of Leviticus, where we perform all this offering, Jesus was blameless. See Jesus as the worthy lamb that was slain. He was spotless, he was blameless, yet he carried our sins. So that we today, when we receive Jesus, we can carry his righteousness, what we never have in the first place, because Jesus now took what he never had as well. 
So there was an exchange. So Paul must have preached the gospel of grace radically. And then that brings us to Romans 6 1. Oh, Paul, are you now saying we can keep sinning and say grace might abound? Which Paul never preached. But people were quoting Paul and saying, Oh, Paul, do you mean what you're saying? Are you now saying? Because really, what shall we say then? That's, a, that's, that's Paul quoting what people are saying. Paul preached the gospel so radically. People almost thought, this grace is so much. Does that mean we can keep sinning? No way. Let me show you what Paul said. Paul's response to that. Verse 2. Paul said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he answered that question and he said, the body again believer is dead to sin. And I wish people are preaching what I just said right now. Romans 6. The body again believer is dead to sin. There are times where you see some preachers preach about sin. You will think the body again believer is still alive to sin. The Bible clearly says that the body again believer is dead to sin. Your nature is no longer in that regard. Your appetites, your cravings are down towards the things of God. This is why when you fall into sin, you feel bad about it. I don't see a believer who is struggling with sin as somebody who is just trying to, well, they, they've always wanted to live their life the way they want. No. Should I challenge you? And I want to say this to anybody. I don't think there's any born-again believer who is looking for an opportunity to sin. I don't think so. People today, again, just like in the time of Paul, they're like, what shall we say then? Shall we keep on saying as a grace by abound? No. I don't think there's any believer who is looking for grace as a license to sin. No way. No way. No way. No born-again believer will be looking for opportunities to sin. Go read your Bible. He might fall into sin. The born-again believer might fall into sin because he's tempted. But no born-again believer would really continue in sin and say, yes, I've been looking forward to having this opportunity so I can sin. I've not seen one believer like that. But I've seen unbeliever, they, they rejoice in their sin. Because it is even a sin for a non-believer not to sin. It is a sin for a sinner not to sin. The born-again believer, the Bible says you died to sin. And if you don't agree with what the scripture says, the Holy Spirit can bear witness with you. Sadly, today you still see believers say, Lord, deliver me from the spirit of lust. The Bible said you died to lust. You, you are saying, Lord, deliver. You, are, you, have, you think so much that you are alive to lust. You have even formed a spirit out of it. And you claim you are born again. So you are now thinking you have the spirit of lust, which you never had. There is no scripture that backs that up. The Bible says you died to sin. So Paul is saying the grace of God is not going to say, well, I wanted to go and do this before. No, because the born-again believer appetite, craving, is no longer panting after the things of the world. It's not panting after the things of God. Before you got born again, you don't want to hear about God. You don't want to go to church. Now you got born again, you are the first person in church, the last person to leave church. Why? Because your appetite, your cravings, your will is now being steered towards God. Paul said, how can we who died to sin? And I love that answer so much. The born-again believer died to sin. Yinka, we are supposed to die daily. I'm trying to die. No, 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 no. How can we who died to sin? It is why you 
you even have to be tempted before you sin as a believer. Oh, but you can't know somebody. The person has anger issues. The person, the person is under the law. Roman, that's in Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are no longer under the law but under the grace. Because the law strengthens sin. When you see a believer who, who seems to be having a cycle of sin, who seems to be struggling, you don't have a problem. What you need is somebody to expose you to the grace of God, to tell you who you are in Christ consistently, how you have been made righteous, how your body has been bought with a price. That's what you need somebody to tell you. Or else you become more vulnerable. You start thinking you have one spirit of, of lying, one lying spirit. <laughs> You don't have any lost spirit. You don't have anger spirit. You don't have lying spirit. You only have one spirit. His name is the Holy Spirit. So when people say, oh, can, can we keep... No, 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 no. Don't let anybody reduce God's grace or redefine God's grace to you. Grace is not the bad guy. Grace is the good guy. If you want to be free from sin, Romans 6, 14, you have to come under the grace. That is why our sin cannot have dominion over you. If there's any of your life you feel as if boy, I believe what you said, but I'm still trying to expose that life of your that part of your life to the grace of God. The grace of God is the antidote to sin. Grace is not the bad guy. Oh, boy, if you tell people all oh, their sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, you know, uh, and you feel as tell them that well, they are now under the grace whereby we focus on what Jesus has done and not what we are doing. We rest in what Christ has already done and not what we do for ourselves. Are you sure people will still fear God? When you tell people about how forgiving they are, why would you tell people that they are forgiven past, present, and future? That means if they think they are forgiven in the future, they might not fear God. And the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What can you say about that? <laughs> yeah, I like to pull up all of this scenario in my head. Let me show you a place in the scripture. Psalms 130. You will love this verse so much. People think, when you say people are not under the law, people think lawlessness we produce licentiousness. Nothing can be far away from the truth. First Corinthians 15, 56 says, the strength of sin is the law. The law strengthens sin, not lawlessness. Because see, under the new covenant, our obedience to God is a fruit. Under the Old Testament, it is works. Under the New Testament, obedience to the faith is a fruit of believing the right gospel. Under the whole testament, living right is works. And even when it was works, the more they try to live right, the harder it becomes. Under the new testament, living right is a fruit of you understanding you're already standing right in the presence of God based on what Jesus did on your behalf. Glory to Jesus. Let me show you Psalms 130 as I wrap it up. My time is gone. Psalms 130. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So the question, by the way, that I, I'm, I'm creating is, if you tell people what their sins are forgiven, that they are totally forgiven, past, present, and future, they are now under the grace. Yinka, don't you think people will not fear God anymore? They might just want to feel like, well, I can do anything I like. Psalm 130. Let scripture answer your prayer. Answer your question. Psalms 130. I'm going to give from verse 3 and verse 4. The Bible says, If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Verse 4. Listen. But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. KJV is doing my tongue like this. Another version will say, but with you there is forgiveness of sins, so that we can fear you. When people know they are totally forgiven, 
they have the real fear of God, not the slavish fear of God. Slavish fear of God is when you are scared of not even doing something wrong because something bad will happen to you. That's slavish fear. The real fear of God is when you know you are completely forgiven. So you don't do, you don't take wrong decisions because you know, no, 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 no. My sins are forgiven and I have the fear of God in my heart. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. It is not you being scared of not doing it with a judgment consciousness. No, no, no. It is you understanding you're already forgiven. So when Paul said, can we, when Paul was quoting Romans 6, Paul was, it's a quotation. I've seen people use that verse a lot. They just even stop. Can we keep on singing and say, grace may abound? Again, I challenge you. There is no single believer that is looking for opportunity to sin. I personally believe the born again believer out there is looking for more opportunities to serve God. They are looking for more opportunities to really, really spend time with God. They really, really want to know this God. They want to spend time with this Jesus. I don't think there's any believer out there who is trying to, oh God, thank God, I just found an opportunity to go and commit a sin. No way. I have not met one in his correct mind. <laughs> oh, but you can't know somebody, the person fell into sin. Yeah, the born again believer might fall into sin. He is still righteous, says the Bible, because your righteous nature is not even based on what you do or what you did not do in the first place. So don't let anybody use any scripture out of context and just make you feel as evil. All of you shouting grace. Sir, grace is not the bad guy. When we talk about grace, it is not a word somebody coined together to just make another doctrine. No, if you read all the epistles of Paul, he preached the grace of God. And I'm so glad God gave that, that um, teaching to Paul because Paul, looking at where he was coming from, <laughs> Paul... Paul's life before he got born again, for God to redeem somebody like Paul, no, he had to preach the grace of God. Why am I saying all of these things I've been trying to say? I want you to have what they call full assurance of faith. I want you to have what they call assurance of salvation. There are so many voices out there that the enemy is trying to use to make you doubt your salvation. And it will make you doubt it to a point whereby you now start making you feel as if you have lost it or you might lose it. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Why will you tell a born-again believer that has been purchased, redeemed, justified, sanctified, that he can lose his salvation? That is a lie from the pit of hell. There is no scriptural verse to back these things up. There is none. There is none. And I've, I've challenged you guys before. You can't doubt your, your country's citizenship. Now, listen. Let's say you can lose your country. Your, if you have your passport of your, of your country, I don't think people lose their citizenship of their country. But let us say you could lose it. How many times in a year does the thought of, oh my gosh, I just broke speed limit. What if I lose my citizenship? Has it ever come to your mind before? Even when you do something wrong, when you break speed light, um, red light, or you break the speed limit, you might think about, oh, police might give you fine. But the first thing you think about is not, oh my God, what if I lose my citizenship? Because that is, that is, that is silly. That's not the first thing that comes to your mind. But if people feel like when it comes to the, what Jesus did, they can easily lose their salvation. And if you ask them, so what can you do to lose your salvation? They don't even have a definite answer. They will tell you something like, well, if I, if I now start going, going to sin, for a, again, if you're born again, your will is no longer will of your own. <laughs> so you can't just go out and go and keep sinning. It's not possible if you are born again. How can we who died to sin live there for it anymore? And you have to agree with what the Bible says about your life. You died to sin. 
they are believers. Believers will have appetite for things of God. They want to pray more. They want to study more. They want to know God. They are looking for time, time to just be alone with Jesus. I don't think the born again believer is always looking for opportunity to be alone so that they can just commit sin. No. Even when the believer falls into sin, he doesn't like it because he has died to that nature. This is why you feel bad when you sin because that is no longer your nature. And the antidote, the solution is coming under the grace of God so that you can reign in life. Because when you are under the grace, sin does not have dominion over you. Don't let anybody redefine what grace is to you. Grace is an empowerment from God. The more you begin to remind yourself that you are still righteous even when you fall, you are still righteous even when you fail, you are still righteous because nothing that nothing can change that. You begin to see the fruit of righteousness manifest. So the grace of God is not to really, really make you live any kind of life you want. No. The grace of God is there for you so that you can have an healthy relationship with God. That everything God is doing in your life is not doing it based on what you do or what you don't do. He's doing it because he is a good God. The reason why God loves you, why he accepts you, is not because you wake up in the morning and you listen to my teaching every morning. No. If you don't listen to any teaching for the next one year, God is still going to love you, bless you. He can't stop loving you. And you are still accepted. You are still righteous in the sight of God. So you need to first of all admit and acknowledge that so that you can know that anything you now do for God is a fruit. It's not you trying to do it to appeal to God. When you fast, you are not fasting to fast track your, your prayer point <laughs> or to make God fast. No. Without your fasting, even the thoughts of your heart, they are so loud in the ears of God. Psalm 139 says, Lord, even before a thought comes to my head, or before I say a word, you already know that word. See a God of love. See a God of grace who loves you so much. And he has sent Jesus to die for all of your sins so that you can come boldly to the throne of grace without guilty conscience. And always remember there's therefore now no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. In Christ you have forgiveness of sins according to the riches of God's grace. Glory to Jesus. Precious Father, we thank you. Thank you because there's nothing more beautiful than feeding on the truth of your word. It brings rest to our soul. We give you all of the praise, Lord. Let this mind be in every one of us, O oh Lord, that we are under your grace, unconditional love, and we'll continue to give you all the praise for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. True spirituality, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be so gracious unto you. But you begin to get the good you don't deserve because Jesus took all of your bad that he didn't deserve. And surely God's goodness and mercy, favor and grace begins to hunt you down all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. And let God's people say, Amen. Thank you so much for connecting from any part of the world you join us from. And all our teachings are recorded and they are being uploaded online for free. If you use Spotify, you use Amazon Music, Audio Mac, or any platform where you listen to your audio content, if you Google my name, or if you even search for my name, you'll be able to find over 650 teachings that you can listen to. If we don't upload any message anymore for the next two years, we can still keep you busy for the next two years because this is six, over 650 teachings means it will take you about two years to finish listening to all our content if you are listening based on one teaching per day 
<laughs> but you know we can't stop preaching the good news of christ we cannot but preach what we have seen and heard so we'll keep uploading keep preaching before the end of this year we'll have at least 1000 if, if if possible teachings online all of this content are available for free all our teachings are online for free so you can listen to them at your leisure time follow us on spotify follow us on audio mark follow us everywhere you can follow us <laughs> glory to god follow true spirituality network on facebook follow true spirituality network on instagram just follow us and just just create a system around your life whereby you can just keep feeding on the good news of christ anytime you finish listening to a good news preacher it will either produce faith hope or love thank you so much everybody have a lovely weekend god bless you amen If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on truespiritualitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T-Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So catch up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify, audio mark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus mm-hmm.